We're in this series, and it's, um, it's been fun. It's been yeah. really good. It's and I love the way we do this. We, um, every, every few, so often we do the series, he teaches part, I teach part, and we get together and just kind of, we join together to kind of finish up or, or to, to talk about something uh, that uh, we, we think is really important. So today we're going to kind of wrap this up. And so we're in this series called Grow Up, and really it's found in Ephesians 4, 15, where Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus saying, hey, we need to, in all things, we need to grow up. Like there's, and, and we talked about how this series is all about principles. So in life, you want to look for principles. When you look at methods, methods could lead you the wrong way. They could, they could work for one person, maybe not the same. But when you learn the principles of why those methods work, you're more likely to make better choices and decisions. So Ephesians 4.15, the next slide. Uh, we will all three grow up. You're behind, you're with me. Yeah, there you go. And then in the message, it says it like this. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. And we talked about how that's, our, that's the picture of it. And we have these chairs up here that represents the stages of maturity. And so this first chair is kind of, um, for us, we're talking about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. So this first chair represents somebody that um, is not a Christian, maybe hasn't been a church, an unchurched person, or just somebody that's not um, in a relationship with God. So it's kind of like the, an empty chair, we call it. And that's, that's really the grove is about, this empty chair. We want to help connect them. And then they become a, a, a new believer, a baby in the faith, and they become a child. They work into adolescence and grow up in adolescence, eventually become a mature adult. And so we talk about this process of how we're trying to follow Christ in this, and, and the best picture of who sits in this chair is Christ, Jesus Christ. He's a great picture of us. And so throughout the series, we talked about some different things. The first week was why grow up. We talked about how maturity is a choice. The second week we talked about it's a process. that maturity shows itself in the ability to tolerate the stress and suffering that are often a part of the growth process. And we talked about why it's important to grow up. And then the third week, we talked about perseverance. Robert did a great job. If you didn't hear that one, go listen to it. It was a, it was a really good one. Um, the refusal, perseverance is a refusal to give up. And then we talked about maturity and what it looks like to, why we should be maturing. And we brought some guests from, from Ghana, and they talked about the ministry they have out there. Great service. Mm-hmm. We talked about maturity as being devoted to the welfare of others. And here's this couple that has, has devoted their life to help uh, people that are uh, single moms in Africa that are struggling, helping rescue kids out of the sex trade. Things like that. It's just amazing. Talk about how maturity, why it's important, important to be devoted to help others, to look for opportunities to serve. And then Mother's Day, we talked about lightening up, enjoying life. We said others will actually follow and they see something worth following. And we said if we're going to be the kind of people God wants us to, we have to lighten up. We have to learn to enjoy life. We have to learn to trust God. It was great. And then uh, we talked about focus, how we, you become what you behold. Another thing we said is uh, what gets your attention gets you. And we talked about what, what you're focused on is going to make a, a big impact in your life and to learn to focus on the right things, to focus, focus on Christ. And then last week we talked about in step, uh, being in step with, with God. And we said really being a Christian or a Christ follower means you're, you're a follower. You follow Jesus' lead, his example, and you follow his, the Holy Spirit that he promised us, which he talked about, to help us. And really it's about following his lead and doing that. And that's kind of the overview for, for where, we, where we were. There's a couple of quotes that I want to just share that are really important. A pastor in Australia, he said this. He said, the more optional church becomes to you, the less impact it will have on you. And this statement is a principal statement. You could substitute church for whatever, exercise. The more optional exercise becomes to you, for, for you, the, the less impact it will have on your life. Uh, the, the more optional God becomes in your life, the less impact he'll have in your life. There's a lot of things you could insert into that statement saying um, it's important. So we said, you know, when it comes to, to the church, we, we create a really good service. It's not super long that we give a, a principle, we give an idea, we give something to take, take with you the whole week and to live it out. Imagine if you did that for 52 weeks in a year, right, 52 weeks, what you would look like at the end of that year. 
if you would actually take that principle that God is saying, hey, would you try this thing this week? And you live it out. And the next week he says, all right, let's add to that. And you do that over and over and over. You would become the kind of person that God is looking for in our world, which we're going to talk about today, why it's so important. Yeah, so today we're going to wrap it up with part eight. And and Robert, he's here to join me. Um, Have you guys ever seen the the show Hoarders? Hoarders? Is that what it's called? Hoarders. Hoarders. He saw it for the first time uh, this last week. And I remember the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's like, whoa, where have you been? But it's, it's yeah, it's a cable or something on one of those, one of those shows. Yeah, I was on a business trip, and uh, we had done these me- – it was all-day meetings, you know, and I got back to the hotel, and it's on the East Coast, so 9 o'clock there, it's 7 o'clock for me, and I've got all this stuff, and I, I need to clear, so I just started flipping channels. I could only take about eight minutes of that show. It was – it's just so horrible. Um, but the, the show that was on really made me think about um, the question you asked me when we first started this. We were, we were wrestling with this, and it was like, you know, so why do we need to grow up? Why do we need to grow up? And I'm, I'm watching this lady, and, and this particular show, she's, she's sitting in, her, in like a lazy boy chair, in an easy chair, and there's, it's not like she's hoard. I thought the show was people who ordered too much stuff online, but like she had, it was trash everywhere trash everywhere and they're showing the daughter in the kitchen and like cockroaches there was a can full of uh cockroaches and, and different bugs and that all over there's trash you couldn't walk there was no clear spot on the floor and it was all trash and like she's making her eggs i i mean i would have threw up you know so it, it comes to this pro you know they, they start asking questions and you know they're asking why why is your why is your home like this? You know, and what she said is, well, my son uh, refused to empty the kitchen trash. They show this picture of the kitchen trash. It's overflowing. And I, okay. And she says, yeah, it was last November. I was just like, in my head, I'm just like, oh my, you know, oh my gosh. What, you know, what is going on? I'm sure there's some huge backstory as to why this is going on. But seriously, Eric, when we talk about growing up, the movement here, I mean, movement is life. Yeah. Movement is life. And, and I mean, it was horrific. It was such a bad situation for her. And I, I turned it because that, that wasn't helping me relax before I go to bed. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. And, and there, there are real issues people deal with. And, and we were talking like, man, some of the things that could have triggered that, you know, it could have been not the way that the son didn't throw out the trash, but the way he talked to her. And right. it could have triggered something that just she got stuck in a moment right. that she could not get out of. That she's it's like a me too song. Yeah. yeah. Well, and th- what they said before I turned it was uh, that the health department was going to come in and condemn her house and kick her out and all that stuff like that. Yeah. And in this case, I mean, um, we're, we're talking about this principle: movement, movement is life. So Robert also had um, kind of this this last week some challenges that he's kind of gone through. So you want to oh share a little gosh. bit about that? Just sure. Kind of yeah. Um, we, uh, my mom came, she's 80, um, and she came to visit uh, for Mariah's graduation, saw the graduation, all that stuff. Um, Wednesday, uh, about 2 in the morning, um, I heard this crash, and, you know, I jumped up because I knew I had to be my mom. And uh, she was going into the bathroom, thought the door was, was locked. It wasn't. The door swung open. She hit the floor, and she fractured her femur, like right here between her knee. You know, so, you know, 911, paramedics, um, she had to have uh, 
emergency surgery, which we waited hours and hours for them to be a Memorial Day weekend. The guy's been a busy Memorial Day weekend. It was like, great. So we're in line to get this bone for surgery um, and that now we have her. And, and the guy, the surgeon, fantastic surgeon, Dr. Rice, came out and, uh, and he told us, Eric, he said, um, your mom has to move. Normally we would tell people bed rest and relax, but because she's 80, she has to move. She has to push past the, the pain, the situation, because if she doesn't, she will die. The synapses, the connectivity with her leg, the atrophy, the pneumonia, all the things that complicate that, she'll die. You know, so thanks for sharing. That's so encouraging, you know. But, I mean, that's where we were. And when he says a fracture, it's actually the, the femur broke. It's a spiral yeah. fracture, but it came apart. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Um, I, I've gone a couple times to pray with her, and she always prays for me. Just a wonderful lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she's, she understands this, though, that mm-hmm. she has to endure this painful summer. It used to be everybody just stay in bed until, you know, now they're learning. You have to get back into it right away, or, or you begin to lose things, and it could be dangerous. Yeah. So. Um, so she knows that she, as they get her up the second day, she had surgery. The next day, they're yeah, sitting her up yeah. trying to make her stand. Can you imagine yeah. the pain? Yeah, that oh she's going gosh. through all that. But, but, but what he said is, is movement. The doctor told Robert, and this is why we even labeled it today, was movement is life. Like yeah. this is connected to it. And we begin to talk about this. Like in every situation, there's, there's obviously a negative. We don't want this for anybody. We, we are, it's a bummer that she, she's suffering and has pain. But in every situation, there's also something that can be very positive. And we began to talk about it because she's going to be doing therapy. Uh, there's, there's possibility for her to become healthier than she's ever been before. And there's things like that as, as we talk about it. But this is really uh, movement is life. And, um, and so you have this quote that sits on your desk. Yeah, I, keep, I have a quote. I actually have several in my office um, because for me, and this is a question, this is kind of my response when, my, when I'm challenged. My, and I told my boss this the other day, when, when I'm challenged, the thing I'm asking myself in my head is, am I mature enough to handle this situation? Am I mature enough? So on my desk, um, I keep this quote that says, self-respect is the fruit of discipline. And um, basically what it means is it's this, it's this concept. We typically think that if I felt better about myself, I would do better. This hoarder's lady if she she must be thinking that if if i if I cared more for myself, if I did more if I felt about myself, then I would do more, I would get up, I would change the situation that's what we think, but that's not actually how it works. How it works is I see myself doing things that I respect, so I've told myself no self discipline I've said no to myself enough times for things. And dealt with things that I actually respect myself. And you ask anybody in this room, is, is respect earned? They'd say, oh yeah, respect is earned. Well, self-respect is also earned. And we have to earn it yeah. for ourselves. And that's, that's a so. profound statement. Self-respect is a fruit of discipline. We, we earn it as we begin to do the hard things. Yeah. And this is, this is part of even our culture. We want comfort. We as human nature, we just want to be comfortable. We want to take it easy. Uh, but there's an element in that when we kick back and we get stuck in the process, we actually hurt ourselves more than we do good. In fact, I meet a lot of people say, well, I'll, give, I'll really commit my life to God when I get my things in order. 
Right. And they're waiting to get their life in order to really follow God's way. Yeah. Remember, yeah. it works the reverse. You, you, you allow God to help you get your life in order. You begin to say, God, I need your help. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, he's leading me along this path, and I'm beginning to make these choices and decisions. Mm-hmm. As long as you wait to get everything perfect, you'll never act and never do anything. That's right. Exercise the same way. A lot of people, uh, yeah. we don't exercise because, well, it's, it's inconvenient. It's difficult. When I'm healthier, when I'm feeling better, then I'll really put myself out there. But it's reverse. You don't, you don't exercise because you feel like it. You exercise because you know you have to. Mm-hmm. which in turn will give you the results of, I'm feeling better and all that. So, um, yeah. Right, and then you walk down that road, actually. Because now I'll go because I feel good enough to go. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, And that's that's always my challenge, and it, it's the challenge in this situation with my mom. It's, it's the same thing. You know, am I, am I mature enough to handle this? Because I at work, all this stuff. We had a normal life. We had life going before this. You know, and I've spent, slept at the hospital every night. You know, I'm getting like five hours sleep. Those people, I, I don't know why they need to take vital signs every couple hours, but really. <laughs> and they just walk in, flick on the light. Like, it's, we were sleeping. <laughs> it's been really challenging. We just experienced that a few months ago with the baby. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you're in the middle of it, and it's can be convenient. But it's, it's, it's part of life movement mm-hmm. is life. Yeah. You know, I bet there was probably a point, like, people ask you, are you doing okay with this? What they're really asking is, can you handle this? Can you manage this? Right. You know, if there's a boss or somebody's – when we're in situations like this, they right. really want to find out, right, what are you made of? How are you going to respond to all of this pressure that's now mm-hmm. on you? Right. And, Eric, that's, that's exactly the tension. That's the thing that, that it is challenging, challenging me. It challenges every single person in this room. We all deal with these kind of issues. And, and the question is, I'm asking the question of am I mature enough, but how do, how do I be mature? What, what steps, what are the things I need to do to demonstrate that maturity? That's good. You know, and, then, and I'm wondering, you know, is there anything in this book that was written 2,000 years ago yeah. That can help me and before, get through this so thing. Before we go into this, before you check out, like every single one of us, we th- oh, that's a lady who's hoarding. That's our mom who's going having to do therapy. That doesn't really apply to me. No, there's an area in your life that that you're missing something, yeah. and God is saying, hey, would we would we would we think about this? How does this principle apply to that area? Mm-hmm. Whether it's work, family, um, finances, whatever. Remember, looking for principles. What right. is it that you have to keep moving? You can't stop. Because movement is life. So let's talk about this. Is there an answer that we, that God, you know, somebody said something about this that can help us with this? Yeah. Well, the thing to do, and I mean, and if you're new to the Bible and all that, you need to crack the book, start reading, look for, you know, store it, flip anywhere, read the thing to the place that you, I mean, you'll, you'll get understanding. You'll start to see stories because what I do, Eric, what we do, you do. Um, is we started looking at, okay, I'm in this situation. Is there anybody in the Bible who's been in this situation? Right? Because what, what I'm looking at, what the hoarder lady was really looking at for her in her mind, is I have an impossible situation. I don't know what to do. With my mom, I'm just, I'm hanging on by my teeth. I've never done this. I know lots of people do. It'll be okay, all those things, but what do I do right now? How, how do I manage this? Because she's weeping. She was just to get up, get her out of the bed, shift to the chair to, to go to the restroom. She's humiliated that she's doing that in front of all of us uh, that are in there, one or two, and that, that whole thing. And she's crying. My mom is crying in pain. And I have all this emotional response and all this stuff going on. So what do I do? What can I do? 
you know, the story for me that um, I thought about as I was starting to head into this is the story of Jesus um, in, I think it's John, right? It's actually in every gospel where he feeds the 5,000. Yes, this story is found in every, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels that tell the story about Jesus. It's found in every single one where Jesus, he does this miracle and feeds 5,000. So, yeah, tell us about the story a little bit. Yeah. That. yeah, so so what happens is, you know, Jesus is, is preaching, you know, out, and there's like 5,000, and they count the men. So women and children, if they just were, you know, doing the 2.3 kids thing, which I don't think they did, you know, we're looking at 15, 20,000 people, a lot of people, right? right? And Jesus says, tell the people to, you know, sit down and so we can feed them, right? So... The disciples are kind of in my situation. They're looking around going, you know, where's the food truck? I mean, who's going to feed these people? I mean, what do you got in that robe? Because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have anything, you know. I have nothing I can, you know. And so, and Jesus asked this amazing question. I really think, Eric, it's a question he, he asks all of us. And he, he basically says, you know, what do you have? What do you have to feed these people? You know, and, and in my situation, in dealing with this with my mom, that lady, all of us, it's uh, not much or nothing, right? And the disciples, I mean, they don't have anything. They even, they're like, I don't know, let's ask a few people. Like, there's 20,000 people, let's ask a couple people, Yeah, they people, say, like, right? why don't we just send them home? They can eat yeah, there because they yeah. came out to the wilderness with Jesus. Right. Why don't we just send them home? They can find some food. Right. He says, no, no, why don't you guys feed them? And they're like, um, we don't have... Enough money to do that, Jesus. Right. But then, yeah, tell us. Right. So they're, they're trying to come up with their own solution. Thanks. They're coming up with their own solution. Right. First is like, tell them to go home. You know, and Jesus is like, no, I'm not done working here. I'm not done ministering to these people here. So you need to come up with something else. And they're like, eight months wages wouldn't, pay, wouldn't buy enough food for all these people. You know, what am I supposed to do? And then I don't know which one of them. It was probably Peter, my guess. Andrew, Peter. Was it Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. Read the scripture you read there. Oh, great. John um, six. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Another of his disciples was Andrew. Love Andrew. Um, Peter's brother uh, spoke up and said, "Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, uh, but how far will that go? You know. So it's this perceived reality that they're that they're." That's in their mind, which, you know, we could talk about that, that whole thing. But yeah. is John, I love John's account. He's not, he's saying like, it's not just, guy just the boy doesn't have like just some bread and fish. He's like, no, he's got five small loaves of bread and two small, like, you know, they're really small fish. They would fry up and stuff. Right. So it's like, yeah. and is that sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> is it sarcasm on Andrew's part? Yeah, like, when all he's, right, yeah. this is all we got, right. which is what, five plus two every, what's the math? Seven. All right, so let's give everybody one thing. That's seven people. There's another 15,000, 20,000 people out here. It's Plan not going to go seven. very far. Right. So. Right. And, I mean, that's really, that's how it goes, right? And that's how, that's how my situation is, right? So I've got a situation, and the first thing in my mind is, how am I going to manage this? And so I, I start with my own, con- pre- my own conception of, a perceived reality, um, a perceived outcome, based on what all of the things I know, all the things I have going in my life, this is how this outcome is. My, I can't. My mom's going to die. 
I'm going to lose my job. Uh, you know, my wife's going to hate me. I mean, whatever. It's all going to go south on us. We'll start fighting because, you know, we're trying to manage all this. And I, I get in my head and I run down this road because, because of this exact thing, Eric. It's in my mind. It's five. This is what I've got. Five plus two is seven. And that's all that's all I have. And what I'm learning and learned and learning again in this situation walking through is, is simply this. The first thing I need to do is I need to pause. So how I'm moving, I need to pause in a situation, pause my emotions, pause my mind from this pre- preconceived reality that's going on. So first, pause. The second thing, and this is the thing, Eric, is in my little 5 plus 2 equals 7 equation, I need to add a plus God. 5 plus 2 plus God or infinity. You may get math. The math guys are like, can we use the infinity symbol? Right? Yes, you can. Okay. Put the infinity symbol there. Equals a God-impacted outcome. Yeah, that's good. God impacts the outcome. When we add God into the equation, he helps us to have the kind of income outcome that only he could have us, allow us to have. And depending on what stage you're at in your development, these are all going to be different. When you're Im- more immature in your process, man, your perceived reality and outcome is, could be really bad. Like, this is the worst thing in the world. And as you grow and mature, you begin to realize, okay, it's not the end of the world, but it's really bad right now. Like, this sucks. This is horrible. But as you mature, you begin to realize, like, this is why we need to mature, because we can become more uh, the people that can see the bigger picture and the wider picture. See, because what negativity, um, when bad things happen, God, God made our bodies pretty awesome. You know, when we hear ruffling in the trees, well, it, now we really don't have lions in the trees, but when you <laughs> hear ruffling in the trees, you start running, and your focus becomes like this, like survival. I, could, I have to survive. Well, in our culture, we don't have lions chasing us, but we have things that we go through. And the same thing, if, if we become negative, we go into this self-preservation or a selfish mode, our focus goes like this. Hurting people hurt people because they're so focused. Right. And they, don't, they can't see past their pain. That's they right. can't see past what they're going through, and so they only focus. Um, the other part of that is people that are generous, people that are, are optimistic, that, that, and this is where we invite God in. We begin right. to say, okay, right. I only have five loaves and two fish, but if I had God in it, now it opens up the – perspective when you're optimistic and positive about life your 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 worldview actually opens up and you can see more negativity i'm focused on this one thing this is horrible the guy driving this is he what he did is making me mad you get stuck or you say god i'm gonna be generous i'm gonna follow your lead and we open up as we're as we're positive and we become mm-hmm. this is why it's important for us to mature because our life opens up and part of that process is saying god we want you to help us have a god uh, impacted outcome. Right, because that's exactly why Jesus asked him that question. He said to them, you know, what do you have, basically? And they, they're like, five loaves, two fish. And you know what? That, that's how God has worked in my life. He, he, I, he asked me, what do you got? And it's, it's this awareness now where I say, not much, but here's all I have. Because I know now, I've learned now, that if I add God to my equation... Then Jesus will take that five loaves, two fish, and he's like, check this out, because impossible is where I start. This is what you have. This is what you can do. This is impossible. So that's where I, God, start. And in our lives, in our situation, just like with my mom, I'm facing a situation where God is basically saying to me, what do you have? And I'm, and I'm saying, this is it. This is all I have. And he's saying, great, 
I'm going to take that and do the impossible because this is where I start. Right? And he feeds this multitude of people, and they collect leftovers. And how many leftovers? Twelve. Twelve. One each is like, not only did I feed them and you, here's some leftovers, a full basket for each one. For each disciple. You know what's great about this story? This happens a second time a couple chapters later in, in Mark and in Matthew. He feeds 5,000 one day, and then another different occasion he feeds another 4,000 men another, another time. And the disciples still don't get it. And he even says, hey, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, this, this teaching. And he, and he kind of says, and they're like, uh, we, he's mad at us because we forgot to bring bread. Like, we don't have anything to eat. And he's like, guys, we fed 5,000. How much was left over? 12 baskets. And then we went to the other side of the river, which represents like the 12 baskets, like the children of Israel, 12 tribes. And then we went to the other side of the, the lake. The other side is like the other people, the, out, the, the ones that weren't part of the Jewish community. And we fed 4,000 there. And, and the the, 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 the the Canaan, I forget the name of it right now. He says, and how many baskets do we have left over? Seven. The seven represents, you know, the people that they thought on the outside. He's essentially saying, all right, I'm coming with enough for the tribes of Israel, and I'm coming for enough for the rest of the world. It's a beautiful. Jesus, if you haven't cracked open your Bible and read it, you should read it. It's amazing. And, and this teacher, this rabbi, who's leading them on this process is saying, all right, guys, what do you have? Let's, yeah. let's, what do you have? Let's use what you have, and let me, let me in on this process, and we invite God into it. And so a big part of this is, is faith is trusting God to do the impossible. That's what faith is. Right. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So if you don't have faith to step out and trust him, you can't please him because he's waiting for people to say, okay, I'm at wit's end. I don't know what to do. I don't have any more. What do you say? That's where I start. God's saying, all right, now I can begin to help you in this process. Right. And it's a great place to be when you're in those situations because when we open up to God, all of a sudden the whole world opens up to say there's all this possibilities and how God can use and do this. So why is this so important? Why is it so important for us to be at the, the last chair, to mature, to go from, from being a, an unbeliever in the faith, uh, to, being, to being dead spiritually, to being alive, a mature uh, follower? Well, because one of the things God is always trying to do is, produce, is to produce hope for the world. Hope is what God wants to create and wants mm-hmm. to do through all of this. Mm-hmm. Like when, when we get through something that's very difficult in our childhood and we work through it, we begin to trust God more. When we're adolescents, we don't get stuck here like a lot of people do emotionally, but even spiritually. This is the stage where we just kind of like get mad at God. Well, you didn't make everything perfect. Mm-hmm. If we could get pushed through and become mature, we begin to produce hope for others to say, hey, I was there. Man, I had a lot of debt just like you, and we were able to get through it. Man, I had somebody that was sick just like that, and God healed them. Man, we went through a really difficult time in our marriage, but God helped us through it. And all of a sudden, we begin to produce hope. In fact, this is what, what, what Paul says in Romans. He says, Romans 5, 1, he says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering, because you know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. And character produces what? Hope. 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 So why does God let us go through something difficult? Because he's a bad God? No, because he's trying to produce something in us. And when we allow the work to, to be inside of us, it produces character, right, which produces hope. Somebody says, oh, wow, you mean you can respond like that? Um, and the reason is because people all around us are looking for somebody to help them. They want hope, right. real hope, not just like I'm going to fix this for, for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you fish. He's gonna, I'm going to teach you to fish. I'm going to teach you the principles how to be successful. I'm going to help you. And people around us need us. It's kind of like um, a few weeks ago, we were at a, a, gra- a graduation party, and my kids were running around playing, and my son and, and uh, my, my daughter, uh, they, they collided. 
running through the, through the, the playground, the play area. And um, all of a sudden, I hear from across the building, I hear my daughter crying. I'm like, oh, that's my daughter. Um, and so I start, I have the babies, I start walking that way, and I see two, two of our friends or adults. Um, they, they, they're around her like, oh, man, like looking at her like, somebody call Eric, like, or sincerity, like, get over here, get over here. And you know that kind of like panic, like somebody's got to do something. So I, I kind of have the baby. I get over there as fast as I can. I'm trying to pass the baby off. And I look, and my daughter has blood everywhere, all right? And so she's crying. Her eyes out. Her eyes out blood is on her shirt. It's dripping down out of, her, out of her mouth, out of her nose. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this looks really bad. And the dolls are freaking out. So I'm like, all right, I can't, I can't freak out here. And, and she, she has this white stuff in her mouth that looks like all of her teeth are just, like, crumbled, you know? And so I'm like, all right, let's not get ahead of the, let's not, the perceived pause, yeah, let's perceived pause. outcome. Leah, right. let's, let's go to the bathroom. Let's wash you up and see how bad it is, all right? And so we take them in and we wash it out. It was just a bloody nose. She had food in her mouth. And so it looked like her teeth were crumbled. <laughs> it looked really bad. I was thinking like, um, 911 right now. It's Pasole or something, yeah. <laughs> so I come out and, and they're like, is she okay? Is she okay? Like, and I'm like, yeah, it just looked worse than it really was. Like, she's okay. It's just a bloody nose. And like, oh, wow. Like, we thought we were going to like, take her to the hospital. I thought so at first. And they're like, how did you stay so calm? And I was like, well, you guys are all freaking out. If I freak out, nobody's going to get anything done. And so we, we worked through the whole situation. And this is just that illustration of saying if, if we can pause right. and not get ahead of, this, of, of what the possibilities. I mean, um, it, it's very easy to get stuck in the moment. It's easy to get stuck in, in, in the difficulty that we're in. But if we could pause and say, all right, God, here's my, here's my five loaves. Here's my two fish. Um, I'm kind of at loss here. Would you help me? And we pause and let God begin to work. He opens up so much more to us. He begins to to do this work in us. And it produces hope. I bet you the people that were fed those two two times, man, it produced hope in them saying, wow, there's something here. Because in Jesus' day, people were wanting to know where their next meal was going to come from. That was one of the biggest needs that they had. As Americans, you know, it's our next entertainment. It's it's, um, different things that not always apply to them. Maybe you're here today and you can relate to that. And I just need help with this simple thing that others take for granted. God is saying, in the middle of this, I have hope for you. Would you trust me? Would you let me lead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that your daughter needed you to be mature. Yes. Right? Just like in these seats here, these people need us to, to grow in our maturity, to move past adolescence, to be that adult. My mom needs me right now. Right. You know, and I, I'm leaning over her after we get her back in the bed from using the you know, potty next to the, to, to her bed and that, and I'm telling, and I'm feeding her hope and I'm reminding her, I said, you know, are you a can do woman? That's her thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She said that for, I don't know, several decades now. She said it to me and she calls herself a can do woman. And really that's, that's what I'm speaking to her. I'm asking her, are you a can do woman? Mom? Yeah, that's good. She's like, I mean, she rolled her eyes at me a couple times. Okay. But then she'll look back and I, and I tell her, you can do this. You can do this, Mom. It's Christ in you. And, and then she'll go out like she prays for you. I mean, the whole thing. She'll go off. And then that hope that she gets from adding God to her five plus two equation is what's getting her through this huge event. Yeah. And it's years of faith in Christ, man. It's years of working through these chairs and moving forward because for her movement is life. And she needs people around her that believe that she can do it, that, that there's hope, that produce hope. Um, we need people around us that produce hope. 
The Grove is here to help you know that. So maturity, this is a statement we said in the beginning, it shows itself in the ability to tolerate the stress and suffering that are often a part of the growth process. It's a process. The growth, growing up is a process. It doesn't just happen. It takes time. How does it happen? Well, God gives us a difficult thing that we have to go through to help us grow up, to mature, to get stronger. And we have to face that so we can become the kind of people God wants us to. Um, he allows us to be shaken up. Why? Because he wants to not just see what's inside of us, but he wants to show us what's inside of us. When we go through something difficult, it's like shaking a can. You're like, what is really in here? Well, whatever's in there is going to spill out. It's going to explode out. Right? So if, if, they're, if, they're full, if we're full of anger and something difficult goes on and, and anger comes out, it's not like, wow, that situation made me anger, angry. No, you have a lot of anger in you that when you're getting shaken up, that's what comes out. It's what, mm-hmm. what the, the product. That's the fruit of it. So okay. what's the answer? Saying, God, man, I need help with this. Produce something in me. Yeah. And so then he gives us opportunities to, to show that we can get through that. And he allows right. us, like the, like the little kids and like uh, adolescents, it's a, it's a training process. It's saying, all right, I'm going to give you a little more this time. You can keep doing it. Keep going. Don't stop. Right. Pause. Right. Truly gauge and understand, not from your own perspective, even your own past, but even saying, God, help me to see what I'm looking at here. How bad really is this? Mm-hmm. Are all our teeth shattered and falling out? Or is this just, you know, something that's really not the, the full picture? And God will begin to say, no, it, it looks really bad. I know you're feeling this. It's a really difficult time right now you're going through. But would you just keep moving? Don't stop. Don't right. stop. I mean, this is survival in the wild. It you know, is. people, they tell you, if you stop, like if you're, if you're hiking in the snow, right, if you get lost in the snow, don't stop. If you stop, you freeze. You, 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 You'll die. You, you die. You're this is the growth process. At mm-hmm. any point, if you stop spiritually and you say, I'm comfortable, I'll only go to church once a year. Or I'll only go to church once, whatever. I'll read my Bible every now and then. You're stopping, and spiritually you will die. Absolutely. You'll drift from God. You'll stop hearing his voice. You'll stop hearing his lead. Mm-hmm. At any stage, you get to this place, and you're like, well, I, I really want it about me. This is all about me, God. And we just get comfortable, and we stop. He says, don't stop. Mm-hmm. Movement is life. And then when you get to this place, it's not about just sitting here like, yes, I'm a mature adult. It's like, all right, now what are you going to produce as a mature adult? More mature adults. Right. More mature Christians. Other people that are going to say, I have hope because you did it. I mean, God can do it through you. Like, man, I, I think he could do something through me. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really the truth. If he right. can do it through me, he can do it through you. Yeah. Right. We don't think, yeah, good. You know, I'm just, I'm just sitting here realizing that this, this, this process that we talked about, pause, assess the reality, invite God in and respond. Um, it's really what happened. It started here. Our life got so messed up. Or we're in such a situation that it's like, I need God. I, I need to add God to my equation. I don't even know I had an equation, but I need God. Right? And when you get to here, you start, you face hardship. Okay? And here's the truth. Okay? This is the absolute truth. Hardship is good for us. It's good for us. It puts us in a place to choose maturity. My mom needs me to be mature. Aaliyah needs you to be mature. And so when I'm in, in this toddler chair, I got to choose to invite God into my situation so I can grow. Invite God in so I can. And when you're in that adolescent, invite God in. And then when you're an adult, it's like, why situation now? I'm inviting God in so that I can help her. Right? Yeah. I'm inviting, you know, someone called me last week, distraught. I'm praying. They're telling me what's going on. I'm listening, but I'm also saying, God, I'm inviting you into this conversation. Communicate through me. 
I know that you had them call me. I know that you want to communicate to them. So just, you know, put it in so I can get it out. You know, <laughs> you know. And that's what God does. And it's the same. It's the same thing. And it, it starts here, Eric. Yeah. And let me ask you this: When God does this through you, how does that feel? Oh, I mean, initially it's like, ah, oh, you know, is He going to do it this time? So there's a little bit of that kind of thing there. But as it starts happening, man, it I feel, I feel hope. I, have, I feel hope for them. I feel hope for me. I feel like I get a lot of energy, like charged out of that. And then I went around, ran out, which is weird. The nurses are like, why are we high-fiving you? I'm like, she got out of the bed back. Did you see how she moved her leg? You know, and they're like, it was an inch. It was an inch, you know? You know? I mean, it's just that excitement and that charge. And it really, it fuels me with the hope. And, and you know, that God is really who he says he is. And, and trust and my Faith and my trust in him grows in each one of these instances. That's good. Because I think a lot of people are afraid to step out and be used by God because they think, well, I'm not good enough. I can't be able to be used. But when you step out in faith and you do mm-hmm. something, God responds, you know, feeding the, the, the multitudes. And you're like, oh, wow. Like, this is really cool. Like, everybody just got fed. Like, how did that happen? Your faith grows and your trust and, and, and you begin to take those steps towards towards God to do more. Mm-hmm. So here's kind of where we're, we're running to end today is, um, movement is life. Mm-hmm. Don't stop. In your marriage, don't mm-hmm. stop. If it gets difficult, don't stop. Man, start doing the things that you did in the beginning to get back to that. In your job, when it gets difficult, don't stop. Your people around you, they need you. Even when they're you know, telling you stuff that just makes you mad and upset, yeah. they need you. They need hope. They need somebody that's going to keep their head about and say, no, we don't have to call 911. It's just a little bloody nose. All right, let's keep our heads together. Let's, and they need somebody that's going to be able to do that and say, I want to produce hope. Everywhere I go. So our challenge is this. Don't stop. Choose to grow up in all things. Spiritually speaking, physically, mentally, relationally, choose to grow up in all things. And that's going to be different for all of us because my thing that God is saying, Eric, this area, you need to mature and grow up. You need to, you need to go to that next step. You need to go to that next level. It's going to be different from yours. What is that step that you have to take? What is it that God is asking you to and there's going to always be a step that's going to come to us that we have to begin to say, God, I'm going to trust you. This is all I have, but I'm going to add you into the equation. Five plus two is seven, but I'm going to add another plus. Five plus two plus God, God. is a God-impacted outcome. How many of you guys want a God-impacted outcome in your life? Amen. Me too. Yeah. Well, it takes us making that choice. It's good. So, um, you know, you said something very, very important. You know, some of you have come, and, and when, when we t- make this step from this first chair uh, of no relationship with God into this relationship with God, it, it's, it takes faith. It's saying, all right, I'm going to trust this God that I can't see an invisible thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because I need, I need something. Well, every service, we, we like to offer the opportunity for those that have come, and today you're saying, man, I need hope for my life. Um, I need to begin this process and this journey of trusting God with my life. And God today is inviting you to say, would you follow my lead? Would you let me work in your life? Whatever you're going through, I want to help you in that. Your five loaves and two fish, man, would you, would you let me take those and do something amazing with it? That's all you have, but it's enough for me to begin working. And maybe you're hit this first chair and you're saying, you know, I don't know if I can trust God, but I, I need something. I don't, know if, I, don't know if, I don't know what to do the next step, but I'm going I'm to step out in faith and say, I, I want help. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today and you have that desire to make that first step of saying, God, I want to follow you, 
I'm going to just lead you in a simple prayer of just saying, God, I acknowledge that I, man, I can't do it on my own. In fact, the Bible says this. He sa- they says if, if, we are, if, we're, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all, of all the bad that we've done. He says when we ask and invite him, he comes and he lives with us and helps us on this journey. So, Dave, would you be fair? Would you close your, everybody close your eyes today? If you want to bow your head, that would be great too. If you're here today and you're at a place you say, I need God, I need his help. And I would ask you just to lift your hand. I would invite you to come to the front. I just want you to lift your hand and just so I know I'm praying with somebody out there. And I'll lead you in a prayer. Awesome. Anybody else? Say, God, I need your help. I need your help. It's all I have. I need your help. Awesome. Awesome. That's all I have, God. A few loaves and small fish. I need your help. Awesome. Awesome. So there, I think there's... Some of you that raised your hand today, I think you need to take that first step that says, God, I invite you to be my Lord, my God, and follow my lead. And then I'm going to lead a second prayer because I, I have this feeling that there's a lot of people that, that, there's a lot of hands going up. And I think you're raising your hand to say, I need God in the middle of my situation. It's all I have. I'm going to pray for you after that. This first prayer I'm going to lead you in is really a, a prayer saying, God, I invite you into my life to start a relationship with you, to start this process. And then I'm going to pray for the rest of you that raised your hand. So if, if that was you would, you, would you pray this prayer with me? All right. Say, Father God, forgive me for missing it, for my sin, for my choices. I invite you today to come and fix, come and heal, come and make things right. I want to follow you. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Today I make you the Lord of my life and ask you to lead me. I pray this prayer in faith, believing that you hear it and you're going to begin to change me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray for the rest of you in a second, but if you pray that prayer, here's your next step you need to take. All right, As, as we begin to invite God into our life, one of the next steps is water baptism of saying, God, I'm going to follow you in, 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 your, um, in your call that you asked me to follow you through. Water baptism is a symbol of us saying, I'm dying to the old man. I'm leaving that person back, and I'm going to come alive as a new person. And the Bible says that when we give our life to God, it's like a new, a, we have a new start and this new journey and a new life that begins. And he wants you to begin to walk and trust him now as a new person. And so this week it's going to be challenging to be thinking, no, that's how I used to think. God, help me to think the way you want me to think. We have some tools for you that help. We have a Bible. Um, if, you, if you need a Bible on the table, they're free. Get a Bible. We also have a book. Uh, it's called Ten Steps. If you want some tools to kind of help you know what the next step to take, those are free. You can grab those. And that, just to help you on that journey for you that prayed that prayer. Also, fill out that card and let us know, hey, I made this choice today. Would you continue to pray for me? Continue to, to lift me up and, help, and encourage me in this. For the rest of you, I'm going to say a prayer. Ask God just to, to be able to take the little we have. Um, and be able to use that. Um, so let's do that right now. God, a lot of hands went up today saying we, we only have a little bit. And God, we need you to step in and do something great. Father, today we look at the story of you feeding the multitudes. God, over and over you had something great for people. Lord God, that, that, that trusted you, uh, that stepped out and said, this is all I have, God, but can you use it? Lord, today all of those that raise their hands that are saying, God, I'm in this situation. I don't know if I can get through it. This is all I have. I'm almost at the end of it. Would you help me? God, I pray for just 
an amazing blessing, amazing grace and outpouring upon them. That this week, Lord, we would even begin to hear stories about how you begin to take the little we have and do something amazing with it. God, we thank you for those that have come today looking for, for solutions and answers. I pray that they would encounter you and follow you, Lord God, in this journey of life. That they would be the people you want to use to bring hope to others. God, produce hope in us, God, through our trials, through our difficulties, through perseverance and character, God, that you would produce that hope in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.